This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Do you suspect anyone you know of fraudulently collecting the CERB, the CERB? That's the emergency response benefit to people who have lost their jobs because of the pandemic. Or anybody defrauding the student's benefit or the wage subsidy. Well, now you can report them to the Canada Revenue Agency's official snitch line. It's a departure from previous policy when staff processing the aid applications were reportedly told to ignore red flags and make the pavement the payments even when there was suspected fraud. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau admitted that his government chose speed over scrutiny and would, quote, clean up after the fact. Well, Even though this measure, and that being the opportunity to call the snitch line to report, they call it the uh, lead line, by the way, uh, you know, the responsible agencies do not want to talk about this. No one at the CRA, the Canada Revenue Agency, nor the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of National Revenue, who usually does take questions about the CRA. Another thing, there is a very long and explicit list of information the snitch line wants, though the website says they will take leads even without the details that they seek. So what do you think? Is this a good idea? Would you call if you knew somebody who you thought was cheating on it? The numbers to call here. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Toby Sanger, who's the Director of Canadians for Tax Fairness, and Aaron Woodrick, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, guys. Thanks for inviting us. And good afternoon. Thanks for having us, Libby. Okay, let us start with Toby. What is your reaction to this? Well, I, uh, my immediate reaction is, uh, is, is that the, um, there there was a lot of confusion about these programs. And when they were set up, there was a lot of confusion and, um, wrong information also sent out by some ministers and, uh, and some MPs. So there, so there will be, uh, probably a lot of people who have applied and uh, some who didn't fit into the qualifications there for it, uh, um, uh, who, 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 who may not qualify. My big concern here, and there's a lot more money available uh, for it, is, uh, is the opportunities for misuse and abuse and fraudulent behavior by, by some of the businesses. With the wage subsidy. Uh, well, well, with the wage subsidy, with uh, with with, uh, with a number of the other programs as, as well, there's a lot more money going out under that. We sent in some uh, recommendations back in March, uh, pushing for greater transparency on 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 these areas. 
um, and uh, and we put out another statement just uh, just last week with Transparency International pushing pushing for this, but uh, but but we haven't seen anything yet. Aaron Woodrick, what's your take? Well, look, there's always going to be a trade-off when you're in a rush between uh, efficiency and there's going to be some abuse. And I think most people are willing to cut the government slack in the situation. It's obviously an emergency, and so it was never going to be perfect. Um, but what was troubling was they didn't seem to really signal. They seemed to openly signal, certainly in the memos to their staff, that you know, don't even do anything about abuse. Uh, and I think that really uh, provides a perverse incentive for some people. Um, so, look, I think the government, um, we have to cut them slack generally because they're moving in a real hurry here. But I think as they go along, they need to look at ways to tighten things up. I think most Canadians support these programs um, in an emergency, uh, but they don't have a lot of tolerance for anyone, individual or business, that is abusing, uh, you know, defrauding the system at a time like this. Well, in a... N- not just defrauding. I mean, there there were people, there are people that I know that ended up getting two checks. They were double dipping either because they were already on, on unemployment or they made the, the application to EI, to employment insurance, before it was all moved over to the CERB. And, you know, I think those things could be, uh, you know, the result of general confusion. Now, the government has said, we'll, we'll get it on the back end, you know, make sure you have that money available to pay us back. Is that good enough, Toby Sanger? Um, yeah, yes. I mean, I, I agree with Aaron that that that, 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 that really the message out there uh, initially was we really have to prevent a uh, a deep depression, uh, which could have happened, and have to help people out through these programs. And I and you know I have to do to hand it to the government. They 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 moved in that direction, and so we're not having the trouble that we're seeing south of the border, where people are, you know, wanting to. Uh, um, where they don't have uh, enough money to, to 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 survive for month to month, and so 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 the government did did do the right thing in terms of getting getting the money out. It was very complicated trying to get different programs out and uh, and uh, for different different types of people for the students that took quite a while to to to, to operate. And there was a ton of confusion among a lot of people. So absolutely cut the government some slack. And I would also say cut some of the individuals some slack, too, because if the government didn't know uh, some of what was being done, uh, uh, individuals didn't. And getting it on the back end uh, uh, is, uh, is the appropriate thing to do. But I want to underline that there's a lot more opportunity for fraud in, uh, and misuse in other areas, and, uh, and we've got to have more transparency uh, to prevent that. Aaron Woodrick, uh, what would you tell people who, uh, quote, double-dipped? Should they be trying to refund that money as soon as possible, or should they wait till they get a bill from the tax man? Well, look, there are some people, that, as Toby says, it's, it wasn't a deliberate attempt to defraud the system. People just didn't know what the criteria were. Those people acted in good faith. I don't think those people should be punished. I think that the ones that most people are thinking about are the people who are acting maliciously. Uh, we don't know how many of those people there are, even if, you know, by the government's own estimate, they say uh, there could be 2 to 3% fraud. And normally that's not, uh, that's not a lot of money. But given the scope of these programs, I mean, you're looking at almost 8 million people applying. Um, at two uh, percent, at two thousand dollars a month. I mean, that's four hundred million dollars uh, potentially a month in fraud, which is not small potatoes. So, um, I think it's something that um, you know we need to be mindful of. I, I, I would encourage people who have um, you know received this in good faith uh, that they and they do, are not entitled to it that they 
let the government know and that they hang on to the money because that, you know, frankly, is another concern. People may, who may be receiving this who think they are entitled to it, they could be in for a nasty surprise next year if they find that they're not. And that, that's, a, that's quite a bit to swallow to have to pay back if you're actually not entitled to the money. Now, Aaron, uh, Toby was flagging the potential for fraud with uh, with the wage subsidies. Now, from what I know of the wage subsidies, the the criteria, first of all, they changed midstream in terms of how much business loss was required in order to qualify. That's number one. But number two is pretty stringent. Uh, I know that certainly at our business, we had, you know, a team of people pouring over it, trying to understand. So I'm not sure with with these pretty specific requirements, do you agree that there's a big potential for businesses to defraud? Well, I think the size of the dollar is potentially larger, but I, I would have to disagree that there's any higher propensity for businesses to, to rip off the system than individuals. I mean, businesses are run by people, and they're going to be good and bad ones just as much as there are in the general population. I would say if you look at the programs they rolled out, the government moved very quickly with CERB, with the direct payments. They came out very quickly. Um, they, they really didn't delay on that, and you know, most, most of us are glad they did that. With business, they took a lot longer to do it, and that's part of the reason that there's been a lower take-up with the wage subsidy is that the government took such a long time to get it, and frankly, uh, while they may not have put um, all the conditions that everyone would like on them, they, they certainly put more conditions on the wage subsidies uh, than they did on the uh, on the CERB. Yeah, and they also changed the conditions midstream. Well, yes, and speaking of confusion in the system, this is this is a double-edged sword. I do think that the government needs to look at ways to essentially... Uh, plug loopholes in their programs, because remember, they, they develop these programs in a matter of days as opposed to months. Um, but on the other hand, if you're, if you're changing the rules midstream, you can see how that would become confusing, not for in, just individuals, but businesses as well. Okay, let me give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from our listeners. Is the snitch line a good idea? I mean, this this is another thing that you can report to an already existing CRA snitch line. I don't know. They call it a leads line or something like that, uh, which is meant to help catch tax cheats. Would you make a call like that if your neighbor or someone you knew, uh, you know, uh, you could see them taking advantage of this and cheating? The numbers to call 416-360-0740 toll free 1-866-740-4740 i'm talking to toby sanger the director of the canadians for tax fairness and aaron woodrick the federal director of the canadian taxpayers federation and uh, again toby what what makes you say that you think there is so much more potential for fraud uh, with businesses is it just the sheer numbers of the program or is there any other reason yeah, there's, a, there's, or there was projected to be a lot more money going out to them. And, um, I, I mean, a lot of individuals have been, uh, targeted, uh, by, by, with fraudulent behavior, with, with fraud, with fraudulent, um, uh, um, proposals, uh, trying to get them to sign up for the CERB and trying to get them to do a number of other things. Uh, and, and it's inevitable that they're also going after, after, those with deeper pockets, which is which is governments. So some of the things, and that's happened during other uh, emergencies and pandemics as well. So some of the things that we call for, in fact, um, IMF, OECD, other organizations, uh, Transparency International, call for, is uh, much more transparency. So publishing details on what specific businesses receive and different forms of federal uh, support and what what purposes it's for. Publishing details on procurement and other contracts. 
Um, this will be an issue also going forward um, as we get into the whole issue of uh, vaccines. Um, if you, uh, you probably remember the whole issue over, over Tamiflu, uh, uh, over the avian flu. Um, uh, government spent billions and billions on that. And it turned out years later that it was ineffective. But uh, the people uh, pushing it were closely connected with the, with the George Bush uh, gover- government, like uh, 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 Donald Rumsfeld and others. And so, so we need to be concerned about this, not just in terms of this stage, but also in terms of government procurement. And, uh, and, and as we, and, and, and a year or okay. more from now. I'd yeah. like to uh, read some of the criteria that is asked for on this snitch line. And it says you may not have all the information suggested below. So it starts full name of the suspected tax or benefit cheat, their spouse's name, their address, their birthday, their social insurance number, social media accounts, business name, business address, any related businesses, shareholders, contractors, and on and on and on it goes, including why do you believe this person, business or charity is cheating? Aaron, what do you think of all that? Is, uh, is this a reasonable thing to ask? And is this a reasonable way to go? Well, look, I, I think the reluctance with most people, look, look, we all want the fraud to stop. Uh, you know, it, it, there are many people, I've certainly received calls and emails from people who are frustrated that, you know, they are, they are working hard and yet they see people abusing the system and they find it very frustrating. Uh, but the word snitch, I mean, that word itself, it's a pejorative word. It makes people kind of cringe because it sounds like you're, you're ratting out people. And so I think that's what makes people uncomfortable. Uh, you know, the CRA, you know, we found out through the media that they already had about 200,000 files flagged by government's own employees. So them opening up the snitch line, you know, it's not as if they didn't already have enough cases to start looking at. Um, I think this may be more, in fact, about sending a message to the public that, you know what, we are we are not going to tolerate fraud. If that's the case, it's a good thing. Um, you know, do I worry a little bit about everybody peering over everybody else's shoulders? I do. Uh, but do I see an alternative uh, right now in terms of being able to crack down on, you know, inappropriate behavior, I, I don't. You know, that that's an interesting take on it, that it, it may just be sending a message, though you'd think if they were sending a message that they might actually want to speak on the record to it. You know, they, they really were uh, scurrying away from any kind of public statement about this that they're doing. So I found that interesting as well. Let's take a call from Paul in Etobicoke. Hi, Paul. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Go ahead. Yeah. um, One of my main concerns is I've heard rumor about people living offshore applying for this CERB and getting it. In one country in particular, Nigerian scammers somehow are accessing this CERB. Now, I don't know if it's entirely true, but this is the rumor I've heard. And also, I personally know someone who lives in Dominican Republic and applied for it and got it. A Canadian citizen. He's a Canadian citizen. He's wealthy. He spends very little time in Canada. And he decided to apply for it, and he got it. Well, you know what? Um, There's the snitch line. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's the the, uh, Canada Revenue's job, is to find these people. I don't think they should be getting Canadians to snitch on each other. That just doesn't sound right. Okay, yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, there you have this guy that you're talking about. It's supposed to be for people who lost their jobs because of the pandemic. 
Right. So how is this wealthy guy in Dominican getting it? I don't understand. Well, that's that's a good question. And uh, I I hear you on uh, finding the whole business of, of maybe calling and reporting that pretty unsavory. Paul, thanks, yeah, thanks. for your call. Yeah, so uh, Aaron, that doesn't surprise me that somebody doesn't want to do it. Do you think that there is a lot of fraud like that? It's hard to say without them looking. And look, to go back to what I said at the beginning, I understand this is an emergency, so I'm not holding the government to the level of accountability uh, in terms of perfection that I would in the normal circumstance. They had to move fast. They had to get money to people, you know, immediately, not in two months or three months. But after the fact, they should be following up because I think not only is it a question of wasted money, I think you lose public support for these programs if people think that the government is turning a blind eye to, to abuse. So I think the government needs to, as, as the caller said, follow up on this stuff. Um, and maybe even if you can't stop it all at the beginning, recover some of that money over time. And with the CERB, remember, it's a renewable benefit. So, you know, they have to, people have to reapply every month for it. Um, if you can catch people in the first or second month, then they're not, uh, they're not getting the money for the rest of the time. Well, we don't, we don't even know how long it's going to be renewed for. Aaron, in, in general, a new auditor general was just named. What kind of scrutiny do you think we need to all of it? I mean, it's a huge amount of spending that the government has undertaken, mostly with a lot of support from Canadians. What kind of special scrutiny do you think that requires? Well, we, well, there's a lot of money, so a lot of scrutiny. And I'm in complete agreement with Toby on this point, on the transparency point. It's very hard to have accountability without transparency. And we're going to have lots of debates about what the right moves are and whether money is well spent. But it's hard to make those assessments if we don't have the information. So I'm all for more transparency about how the government is spending money, who they're giving contracts to, um, and under what conditions. Okay. Uh, and Tony, anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it'll be an issue also going into the recovery phase. I know that the, the, the Parliamentary Budget Office has done a great job, and i got to say the Auditor Generals have also done a great job. Um, they're going to have a lot of work to do. They're probably going to need they and the CRA will need more 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 funding. But we we got to have more transparency. Canada actually gave uh, money to Paraguay, uh, which uh, now publishes all the money that they're giving out, all the details, all the money that they're giving out. So if we're supporting every government to do this, uh, we should be doing that as well. Okay, thank you so much, Tony Sanger and Aaron Woodrick. Appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, for anybody who is interested, since we were talking about the snitch line, let me give that number out. It's available, of course, on the website. It's 1-866-809-6841. And of course, cheating the government is not the only fraud connected to the CERB. Scammers are targeting Canadians who are legitimately eligible for the benefit and need it badly with, among other things, a scam offering to help people apply. Let me give the numbers out again if you have anything to say about that. I know that last week we talked to a caller who was unfortunately defrauded. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now we are going to Provincial Constable Catherine Yarmel with the OPP. Hello. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, so how widespread and, and what type of scams are we seeing with the CERB? 
Well, we are seeing uh, across the country, we've had uh, information come to us through the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. There is a scam called the uh, Emergency Response Benefit Scam, and that's really a scam that capitalizes on persons' fears, vulnerabilities, uncertainties, perhaps, and lack of information on how to uh, complete the CERB application. And so what these companies are starting to do, these illegitimate companies, are contacting people uh, through email, text messages, or perhaps phone calls, and uh, they're saying, listen, can we give you a hand filling out your CERB application? And once this has been done, they've got your personal information, and, uh, and then they may send you an invoice for those services rendered. So that's what we've been seeing um, across Canada. Well, yeah, we we heard from a woman last week who was taken in by this, but it, it wasn't just a matter that she got a bill she didn't expect. They uh, they got her CERB. Really? Mm. Well, so the, obviously these people were were scammers, and then she uh, yeah. she heard that there had suddenly been another uh, bank account or another something. I, I I forget the details exactly. Opened in her name, and that's how she figured this out. And she did not get her Serb. I think that she only lost one month, but it looked like it could uh, entirely be you know um, uh, an identity fraud. Right, and uh, and we are seeing uh, identity frauds as well, uh, unfortunately, um, as as you know the country is continuing to deal with the issues that are affecting all of us. Uh, it always is a good idea to remain vigilant and be cautious of uh, any emails that are unsolicited uh, or phone calls that uh, are unexpected. Uh, I think it's uh, it's very important for for the general public and all of us to educate ourselves and become aware of the scams that are out there. It, I suppose, can be hard to distinguish. I know that I've received emails from my bank saying, do you need any help? Can we help you with anything? And uh, I think I have no reason to think that these are not legitimate. Uh, they want you to go through th- the bank. So how would you be able to tell the difference between a, a legitimate request from your bank saying, uh, can we help you with anything and, and a fraudster? Well, I would, number one, look at, did I contact my bank recently and ask for any assistance with anything? Uh, another tip is to look for spelling errors in the messaging that's given to you by email or text. Uh, and And you know, verify the information that's coming across to you. Um, you know, resist that urge to to click on that link or to contact that person. I think we all have known someone who has received unsolicited type of emails. Uh, so call your bank and ask, did you send me this information? Did you send me this email? Uh, be very, very cautious of, of areas where Banking institutions, uh, the CRA, they already have your personal information. So be cautious as to why somebody's asking for it again. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not sure that these emails that, say, I received that looked legit, uh, they weren't asking for personal information. You know, they were saying, you know, you want to come in and we'll help you or whatever. Uh, what about the phone scams? The, the caller who called us, uh, she got scammed by phone, and I know that people are applying for the CERB by phone. Right. If you think that uh, something isn't right, you should follow that instinct. 
uh, and resist giving information over the telephone of any kind until you've verified who, in fact, that person is on the other end of the phone. Because you may fall, you know, fall prey to that identity fraud. Uh, and uh, what would people encounter if, say, uh, they're applying by phone for the CERB? What, what does the real thing sound like? I, for, for CERB information, I would suggest contacting um, uh, the Ontario government, uh, our Canadian government website for CERB uh, application information. Okay, and what about, we just had a caller, we're, we're also hearing reports offshore people applying for the CERB and, and getting it. Again, those types of, uh, of calls for service or those types of incidents should be reported to the local police service uh, and uh, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. What kind of uh, numbers are you getting in terms of reports of this type of fraud? I wouldn't have the exact numbers uh, in front of me here, um, but uh, certainly uh, these types of scams are circulating uh, and enough to, to cause concern um, uh, that uh, the local police services are getting the information from the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. Uh, and uh, we work closely with our RCMP partners as well, uh, and we have been seeing uh, these types of scams occurring across Canada. If somebody does get scammed, what should they do? Well, they should... Certainly contact their local police service, uh, and they can also contact the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre for more information uh, to, to figure out what exactly has happened and, uh, and find a way to, uh, to get further information if that's what they need. And if, if it's the full kind of fraud that I described where, where their, their CERB was taken and by somebody who now has their personal information, what do they have to go through to get their identity back, I guess? That would definitely require a phone call to their local policing service. That needs to be reported and investigated. And how long does that process take? It, it can be a nightmare for people. Well, very difficult to give a timeline uh, as, as what the investigation, how long that would take. Um, but uh, we certainly would treat it as, as a serious, uh, serious call and, uh, and work with that person to, to assist them. Okay, anything you'd like to leave us with, Constable Yarmel? Be aware of the warning signs with frauds. Um, You know, never give out your personal information. That's that's the the big tip. Um, Don't respond to those unsolicited emails and text messages. Don't open any links. Um, They could have a malicious uh, type of software um, attached to it. Um, and one of the key things I think when, you know, the advice I give to, to anyone at any age, because a fraud can happen to anyone, um, is that you need to take a step back and look at what you've been given and, or the information that's been asked of you. And again, ask yourself those questions. Did I ask for this information? Um, you know, what are they asking me for? Um, again, you know, for example, is it, is it information that this particular institution, such as a bank or such as the Canada Revenue Agency, should already have? Um, resist the urge to act quickly. I think that's a very big piece in, uh, in educating ourselves, um, you know, when we deal with these fraudulent scams. Okay, that sounds like good advice. Constable Catherine Yarmel with the OPP, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.